Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. You know, you got to be practical about this stuff, right? We're not saying to evade taxes or anything like that, but you guys need to learn how to do this and learn what's like reasonable. All right, guys. So a lot of you guys have sent in a lot of mail about starting a business and you wanted to kind of just be really efficient you know, when you're trying to bootstrap a business out there, you know, you're going to want to deduct things so you don't have to pay taxes on money you've already spent. And generally the way it works is, you know, you're going to make money, but you want to shelter that money that you make by taking as much legitimate business expenses. But let's get creative on what those business expenses are so that we can run it through the business and effectively save ourselves anywhere from 10 to 50% on what we pay for something that we were gonna pay for anyway. Let's talk about a few common examples. Really, I don't care what business you are, but you know, you have to kind of brainstorm on what are things that are necessary and reasonable for that business in the pursuit of money. If you're ever kind of wondering, well, is this expensable? Is this a business expense? Well, you always need to ask that question. If it weren't for me trying to sell an object or doing any kind of service in the pursuit of money, would I have need to spend money on this? And was it reasonable? So a t-shirt printing business, you need the press. Um, that's an equipment purchase. So other types of equipment, um, that you would, might need would be the paints, the room, right? You may want to use a room of your house as kind of, in this case, not an office, but the actual place of business. There are ways that you can deduct and legitimize those as business expenses necessary and reasonable in pursuit of your business income. Maybe even the power that powers your machines and you know, maybe all your Stripe payments, all the ways that you kind of do your e-commerce too. Um, you know, you may want to pay for Google G Suite, for example, to get your email up or your MailChimp, your email campaign. But you know, before we get off the equipment, a lot of people are these days, you know, we don't live in China, we live in America. So we outsource a lot of that printing offshore. And that's cool. Great way to run a business, right? depending on what you're trying to do. But you know, this kind of takes away a lot of those expenses. And in a way, if you're the good business entrepreneur, you figure out that it's cheaper for you to do that and outsource it, then great. But you can't deduct those things now, right? So now we're kind of thinking about other things that we can deduct that are, again, reasonable in the pursuit of us making this money. So in that case, maybe you're an artist or you're doing it on your iPad. Those are necessary pieces of your business. So if you won't need the iPad pencil to draw stuff, I would just go after the iPad Pro and get it, especially if you wanted it anyway. I would say it's probably definitely reasonable in the pursuit of your business. But if you're bootstrapping it, and you don't have any money, that's just a stupid business mistake that just to buy all this cool equipment and you don't need have the money that's coming in to pay for this stuff. But that's another separate thing. I'm just here to kind of unravel and get the brainstorming going for you guys to start thinking about what you can buy. So like everything, if you're just the person on the, the side that's thinking of the idea, making the design, that's all equipment purchases, the software, like any kind of e-commerce type of activities. You know, maybe you're in like a art club. This is where I would kind of discuss if it's customary and reasonable with your tax professional. You really need to do that to create these designs that you're making.
But, you know, going off, you know, if you're paying like a service fee or shipping fee, if you're outsourcing that design, those are very necessary expenses that you should be able to deduct in your business. So, so here's my best practices for, for this stuff, folks. Like if you have something that's reasonable and customary to pursue business, see keeper receipts, right? You need backups of this stuff and you need to be organized with it. Put it on a spreadsheet build a little ledger for yourself and to kind of break it up via different categories. Take a look at the Schedule C or Schedule E online. You can download this off the IRS website. And ultimately your CPA or yourself is gonna to have to put this into the forms, into the different categories that's on that form. So you might as well begin with the end in mind. And as you start to accumulate these expenses, don't just put the bunch of receipts in the shoebox. I mean, who does this these days, right? Scan them, put them into Dropbox, put them into Google Drive, but then also put the amounts into your spreadsheet so you don't get overwhelmed by the time you do taxes. So again, you guys are going to be putting this stuff into a spreadsheet. Some of you guys might even be using TurboTax, which I'm not a huge fan of, you know, those automated softwares. But if you guys aren't making that much money yet, that might be the only reasonable thing to do. Ideally, you want to work with a real person, right? Not everything these days can be automated with software. And in my opinion, the software is usually a little bit more conservative than a human that you can talk to and you can reasonably discuss you know, what you're doing. One of the things that came up a lot that questions were, you know, on these larger big ticket items, they're saying like, well, TurboTax or these H&R Block softwares, they're like, ask me all these other follow-up questions. And it looks like they're deducting it over time, especially equipment purchases. Technically, you're supposed to deduct new acquisition of equipment over several years. Now, when I used to own a rental property, you know, like take a large expense, like a HVAC or the air conditioner, you know, three, $4,000. Now on a larger piece like that, especially that exceeds the $2,500 de minimis rule. And you guys can Google that on the side, but basically the government's like, yeah, we know this is kind of a pain in the butt to keep track of all this stuff. And especially to figure out how much is you deduct every year, just like how you, when you deduct a rental property, you, you got to deduct it over 27 years for most residential properties. For if you buy a large piece of equipment, you're supposed to deduct it over anywhere from five to seven, 11 years, depending what type it is. It's kind of confusing, right? So ideally you want to try and deduct it as a de minimis rule where you're trying to just ideally deduct it all in the first year. And you, if you were to ask me, which is better, you always want to deduct things as quick as possible, as soon as possible. That way you can get that loss that suspended passive loss onto your books. You don't have to use it to offset any income. You may not have any income yet, but you can hold it there into the future. And I would rather hold on to those passive losses today than to wait one, two, three, four, five years for the rest of the passive losses to roll in on my books. So, you know, if you're buying a camera, this is another big ticket item. Take a look at that de minimis rule. If you can kind of get it in there as the wrote off in the first year all in one, it's just going to make life simpler and you're going to get the benefit of time value of money. And this is where, you know, you got to be practical about this stuff, right? We're not saying to evade taxes or anything like that, but you guys need to learn how to do this and learn what's like reasonable and what is and start to develop your own best practices and of course use the services of a tax professional to do this stuff and after a while you're going to get the hang of it and it's not going to be that confusing to you guys the audit risk is very very 
very low. I would probably argue that it's anywhere from 0.5% to at most 5% that you're gonna get audited. And even if you do get audited, most cases you're probably gonna win, especially if you have your tax professional work the case for you, which I would always recommend. Never talking to the IRS by yourself. The reason why I'm usually pretty bold about this and why I'm comfortable kind of getting on the camera, even though I'm not a CPA lawyer, I'm not giving any tax advice, I don't try to really pull a fast one on the taxes. If it's something legitimate and customary for my business in pursuit of income, and I do make income by the way too, then I'm always fine putting it through as a business expense. By being a business owner, you kind of help the country move forward because you're the one buying cameras. You're the one buying properties that other people can live in. You're the one buying equipment that other companies need to put in the raw materials to power this economy forward. The IRS tax code is a huge book. Probably there's less than a few pages that most people use especially the 1040 easy form. But when you start to get into the business world as an entrepreneur, now you kind of open up the rest of the 99% of the IRS tax code. Most cases, in my opinion, most CPAs don't know how to do this stuff. They may know how to do the easy taxes for your, just your ordinary W-2 worker, but all this other, what you can do as a business owner, I don't think a lot of CPAs do. And this is why it's important to build your peer group, eventually get referrals and good tax professionals to work with, but more importantly, educate yourself so that you can steer the ship on this. Because let's face it, like if I was a CPA, I just do the easy way if you the person over there that doesn't know what's going on when i was an engineer i would just do the easy way so i can get home on friday the quickest possible why would i want to complicate my life now you would think most professionals don't do that but let's be honest cpa is just like any other professional they just want to do it and get it done the easiest way and as long as their client is happy even though they're ignorantly blissfully happy that's all that really matters at the end of the day. So educate yourselves, guys. That's why you guys listen to this channel and uh, subscribe more. And if you got any more questions, drop it into the comment box below. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.